It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. Britain has a very particular relationship with private schools. They're almost part of the national character. Around the world, it's famed for being home to some of the oldest, most prestigious schools, with their own, often eccentric, traditions. Last Monday was St Andrew's Day, which, apart from being sacred to all Scots, is a great day at Eton College, when a peculiar form of football is played to rules that very few people comprehend. The wall game. To watch this traditional stuff. We're told the Battle of Waterloo was won on the playing fields of Eton, a school which has produced more than a third of our prime ministers and the future king. And now, these schools are becoming one of Britain's greatest exports. Anyone who's made enough money anywhere in the world wants their children to be educated at a British private school. Eton College is breaking new ground in the world of online education. Britain's most exclusive boarding school aims to export its brand. First stop, China. But in Britain, private schools have long been a source of heated debate. Back in 1948, the writer George Orwell, an old Etonian himself, thought these schools couldn't last much longer. And the great social chronicler of our age, Alan Bennett, hasn't held back either. My objection to private education is simply put, it is not fair. And to say that nothing is fair is not an answer. Now, that debate is back, and it's front and centre of the political agenda, as Labour is calling for private schools to be stripped of their charitable status and the tax breaks that come with it. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, do private schools need a rethink? If you're happy, shall we begin? Yes. Would you mind just reintroducing yourself to our listeners? So I'm Sean Griffiths and I'm the Education and Families Editor at the Sunday Times. How long have you been on the education beat? On and off, probably for about 25 years. At the Sunday Times in particular, about seven years. One of the headlines that often hits the national consciousness is about 
private schools and their place in our life. Why is it suddenly back now? It's back now because uh, Keir Starmer, the Labour leader, has said that if Labour gets into power at the next election, they will abolish the charitable status of private schools. The essential unfairness remains, doesn't it, which is that some children in the country have three times as much spent on their education as others. Yeah, look, there are very good private schools. Um, I don't want to abolish private schools. Be absolutely clear about that. What we've been talking about in the last week or two is the tax breaks for private schools, um, which I don't think can be justified. And if we were to change that, that money could be used to provide provision into state schools that desperately need it. Keir Starmer is adamant that is Labour's position and it will be in Labour's manifesto. And what will they do with that money? Well, they estimated at about £1.7 billion and they say they're going to plough it back into state schools. And for people who haven't sort of followed the business model for private schools, just explain how does the current system work? What is the, the tax advantage? Well, private schools are classed as charities here, many of them. If you're a charity, that means they don't pay VAT, for instance, 20% tax. It basically gives them a tax break. There are other tax exemptions that private schools that are registered as charities have. In England and Wales, private schools can receive an 80% discount on business rates as well as the, the VAT exemption. And in addition to that, if they are given large donations, so for instance, the Prime Minister Rishi Sunak, when he was Chancellor, gave £100,000 to his old school, Winchester College, very well-known private school for bursaries and scholarships. Now, technically, the college could claim a gift aid on that of 25%, which is another tax exemption. And altogether, these tax exemptions on various things which the private schools get by virtue of their charitable status add up to more, I think, than the £1.7 billion that Labour has identified. So it is a substantial sum. It is a substantial sum, yeah. Just as this debate has reared its head again, and we are going to get, get into it and some of the detail around it in just a moment, but it also happens to be the day that we're launching this year's Sunday Times Parent Power so parent power is something that we've done for 30 years. It is essentially rankings of our best state and private schools across the UK in terms of their GCSE and A-level performance. It has proved very, very popular with readers, very popular with parents trying to make decisions about which school to send their child to. So that's in the Sunday Times and people should look out for it. Before we get into the politics around this current debate on private schools, we should really try to get a sense of what it's like to be at one. And I know you've been speaking to a former student who went to Eton, one of the most famous public schools in the country. Tell us a bit about him. Uh, my name is Hassan Patel. Uh, I'm 19 years old and I'm from East London. Hassan Patel comes from a working class background in the East End of London. He was given a scholarship of around £76,000 when he was 16 to attend the sixth form as a boarder at Eton. He accepted the scholarship, went there for two years. He has just recently left the school. And I think his experience was very interesting. 
He came into the Times offices. I've been kind of keeping in touch with him since he was 16 and he got the scholarship. I, I went then to meet him at his state school and I met his headmaster who had really encouraged him to go for this scholarship. And I thought he was an extremely clever, very unassuming uh, teenager. Uh, and then when I met him again in the in the Times offices recently, he came in for a cup of tea and a chat. I thought, goodness, he has, in in a sense, blossomed at Eton. Has it built your confidence, do you think? I think I was luckily quite confident before I even went there. Yeah. But I think having to navigate such a different environment yeah. and like stand for my beliefs and principles yeah. um, does build your confidence. He had a confidence about him that I have seen in other pupils who went to Eton. Sort of a polish. A, po a polish, a charm. First of all, the uniform yeah. is quite yeah. outlandish, right? Yeah. Um, it is quite, is it's it? Victorian, isn't it? Yeah. Like, uh, it just doesn't, they just don't have the hat anymore, but like you had the, uh, the tailcoat, the waistcoat. We had a, a really interesting chat for about an hour about how he found Eton, the difference he thinks it's made to his life, his background, uh, which is certainly not the background of a typical fee-paying uh, Etonian. Hassan is one of three children. His parents are from India originally. His father's retired due to a disability. He was a bus conductor. And he grew up on an estate in East London in a two-bedroom flat, which meant siblings shared a bedroom. The three boys shared mm. one bedroom wow. with bunk beds. I shared with my brothers all the way until I went to Eton. It was quite, it was really, yeah, bunk beds. It was quite hard. And I think that was one of the things that Hassan told me he found really quite extraordinary about Eton. It was the first time he had had his own bedroom. Just having your own space, yeah, like just having in yeah. in every single way, just having like privacy. Because yeah. I just didn't have that at all at home. To have your own space, you know, when you're a teenager, especially when you're trying to study, and that is so important. How did he do academically? You know, he's a, he's a he's a very bright, hardworking young man, and he was before he went to Eton. He left Eton with a, an A-star and two A-grades at A-level. He is now in his first year studying Spanish and sociology at Manchester University. You explain that his background is very different to many of the fee-paying pupils. How easy was it to turn up for the sixth form and, and fit in? I think overall he enjoyed it and he made friends. But I think he did feel sometimes a bit like a fish out of water. You know, he came from a working class background to a school where the fees are, you know, approaching £50,000 a year now. Mm. I mean, he told me lots of uh, stories about, about his time there. But one story that he found, it was a funny experience in a way. When he used to go from his state school, from George Mitchell Comprehensive, they used to get these, you know, cut price tickets or free tickets sometimes for performances. And so they'd always be at the back because they were either the cheap or the free seats. Because I did drama A-level yeah. and we went on trips to the theatre like pre-COVID times. Yeah. We'd go into the West End. But of course, when they went from Eton to the West End to a theatre trip, they'd all, of course, sit at the front of the theatre in very good seats. Uh, but it just shows you like, how different. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, it's small things like that, but yeah. it really just like, brings it home, you what know? You at Eton, they go to prayers twice a week, and the prayers are sometimes in Latin, which is not a language he had studied before. And I was just sat there like, what the fuck is going on? They said prayers, <laughs> prayers in Latin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was just sat there, like, yeah. not knowing what to say, yeah. not wanting to get yeah. involved, really, because yeah. yeah. I'm not Christian yeah. either. But, um...
So there were a lot of, a lot of changes and differences. Was there a moment where it seemed just particularly stark, the difference between what his life would have been if he'd carried on at his school and, and what it was like at Eton? Yes, there was a moment. Um, so he'd started at Eton and then, of course, the pandemic hit. And then he went back to his home in the East End, back to the bedroom he shared with his two brothers. He was given a laptop by Eton, but, you know, it was very uh, tough. Back, but I literally, on the first day of, like, online learning, because Eton was able to adapt to that very quickly because they just had the resources to, yeah. I, just, I just, like, couldn't do my lessons. Like, I just didn't have the space, the attention. I was worried about... He struggled to do his lessons. And I think sometimes he would go on on his laptop and other sixth formers would be logging on remotely. You can see where people are coming in from and there would be pupils maybe in the family home in Switzerland. Because I saw my classmates at Eton going at home to their chalets in Switzerland or whatever and there's, they're, on, they're in the lesson with like the mountains in the background in their yeah. bedroom like yeah. and then there's people like me like, yeah. ah, like where am I going to study? Like do I have a space yeah. to study? Am I going to keep my family safe? That must have been hard. Yeah, I think it was. I mean, he was, one of the things that really struck me about Hassan was how, how determined and resilient in a way, even though the circumstances were so difficult, he was determined to study and get through that period. Hassan has hit the headlines in the past. Explain why. Yeah, when I first went to meet him when he was 16 and he just won the scholarship and I went to his state school and met him in the headmaster's office, he was very active in the Labour Party, in the youth movement. And he was part of a, of, of a group of young people who were tweeting on social media about the changes they wanted to see. I think that's one reason th th there was some press around him at the time when he won the scholarship to Eton. Yeah, yeah. Especially because um, some of the uh, newspapers took up the fact that I like tweeted that like Eton's charitable status should be taken away. Which I still he had said on social media before, private schools such as Eton will save £522 million in tax over the next five years, thanks to their absurd and corrupt charitable status. Oh. So he, <laughs> he had made some quite strong remarks. And he told me that he he was trolled on social media. As a young person, that's quite like, scary, to be honest, putting to the limelight like that. How come he was accepting a scholarship to Eton College? How did he? How does he explain that? He said, working class kids, if they were given this chance, should grab it, because it would potentially change their life chances, the kinds of careers they could go on to have. I think what I took away from it was that if you want to effect change, in, in a sense, you have to get to that position where you can effect change. And having a really good education, that's really, really important. Mm. That yeah. must be quite a complex argument to make on Twitter, though. <laughs> I mean, how, how did people respond? He thought people didn't necessarily understand the personal circumstances behind people's decisions. Mm. Um, and it's not just clear cut. You know nothing about someone's personal background, especially as a working class person and how, the challenges that people face. Like, I, ju I just wouldn't have been able to, like, be at peace with myself if I said no to that at that point. Um, and just like, it would have been so, I just don't know what would have happened if I said rejected that. He clearly felt very strongly about the charitable tax status for private schools before he went to Eton. Eton has obviously had a, a very 
positive effect on his life. As you say, he's done very well academically. He has this new polish, this confidence. How does he feel about the issue now? How does he feel about private schools getting charitable status? I think he doesn't feel that private schools are charities. They might help a few kids like myself, yeah. but like lots of lots of big companies do something called corporate, like with social responsibility. Yeah. Doesn't necessarily make them charities, does yeah. it? Yeah. Um, he indicated to me that he thought private schools were businesses. So if he still feels quite strongly that they shouldn't be counted as charities, he still holds those views. Does he regret having gone to Eton? No, I don't think he does because... I just don't know what would have happened if I rejected that. And would I have been able to do my A-levels? Would I have got the grades I did? Would I be where I am right now? And the likelihood is probably not. I think he feels that he doesn't know what would have happened to him if he had turned that place down in the pandemic. Would he have been able to do his A-levels? Would he have got the grades he did? Would he be where he is right now, which Mm. is at Manchester University? But... No, I don't think he regrets it. He doesn't know where he would be now uh, if he if he had not taken it. So I suppose for somebody like him in his position, he would have felt like he almost had no other choice. Couldn't yeah. pass up an offer like that. Yes, I think that that is what he felt. Does he have a sense of how different his life might have been if he hadn't gone? I mean, I, I think it's too early to say. I think Hassan is a pragmatist. So he said to me that he thought it was too early to mm. say how different it, it would be. But it's the cultural and social capital which just totally sets you apart. And of course, he doesn't know what would have happened if, if he hadn't gone. And he certainly has very high praise for the teachers in his state school. But he points out, and others have pointed this out too, that the kind of networks that you develop at somewhere like Eton or one of our top public schools. Like obviously, the networks that you can gain from yeah. going to school like that is just yeah. like crazy. And the social capital that you get from attending a school like that is something that many state school pupils don't get ever. They never get that access to that kind of network of, of, of people in people at a school who are going to go on to have go on to universities like Oxford and Cambridge and mm. the Russell Group, go on to have high powered jobs. And then there is a network of all the people you've been at school with who kind of stay in contact. And we know that some of the professions still are dominated by public school students. Not least the profession of prime minister. Looking back over history, of the 57 prime ministers that Britain has had, 20 went to Eton alone, whilst 46 were privately educated including the current PM, Rishi Sunak. In a moment, we'll look at the political debate that's now raging around private schools. But first, here's a bit more about the Sunday Times Parent Power Schools Guide. Right, settle down, pay attention, parents. Hands up who knows where to find the best primary and secondary schools. Anyone? Hmm. You need the Sunday Times Parent Power Schools Guide. You can search schools by name, local authority, town and postcode. All you need to find the best state and private schools near you. The Sunday Times Parent Power Schools Guide. Available online now. Subscribe today at thetimes.co.uk forward slash parent power. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. 
You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky, smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER. Sean, before we get into the current political debate around this issue, how many private schools are there in the UK? How big is that market? There are around two and a half thousand private schools, but they vary in size, you know, from from small schools with relatively low fees up to our, our world famous schools, Eton, Winchester College, Harrow. They charge fees of, well, they are now approaching £50,000 for a boarding school place. £50,000 a year. Yeah, £50,000 a year. extraordinary. (laughs) And one thing that many parents would say, I think, is that actually they can't afford, even even lawyers and doctors and so on, they can't afford to send their children to private schools anymore, even if they themselves went to private schools, because fees have risen faster than inflation Mm. for many years in, in the private school sector. How many pupils in the UK will go to private school rather than the state system? It's a relatively small sector. Five to seven percent of pupils go to private schools. It's higher in the sixth form. But one of the things, and one of the things that I think is quite relevant to this debate, is that even though it's a relatively small proportion of pupils who go to these schools, these schools disproportionately dominate admissions to our top universities. So although the numbers of state school pupils going to Oxford and Cambridge, our two best-known universities, is rising and has been rising steadily over the last few years, private school pupils still make up around 30% of the intake at Oxford and Cambridge every year. And that is even though they educate only around 7% of the population. Wow, so that is a big difference. Yeah. And just give us a little sense of the history. How have we ended up with a system where you've got these fee-paying schools and the state sector? How did you end up with this sort of two-tier system? Well, I mean, some of these schools are very, very old, hundreds of years old, and some of them were set up to educate poor people. They have existed in various incarnations ever since. The charitable status that they enjoy really dates back to... Uh, I think, the early 20th century, when there was a campaign. And it's kind of existed ever since. 
And Sean, in a way, do you think that's why this debate has come back now? Because, you know, even two decades ago, Tony Blair, for example, it would have been too controversial to try to make a move on private schools. It was so, seen as so aspirational. Do you think it's because it's become so unaffordable that suddenly the debate is, is wide open again? I think Labour thinks that this is potentially a vote winner, that abolishing the charitable status of private schools and, and putting that money into the state sector is potentially a vote winner with, with voters, most of whom send their children to state schools. In Parliament, Sakir Starmer, the Labour leader, has made the argument by pointing out the advantages the Prime Minister had at his own school. A far cry from most people's experience. Mr Speaker, Winchester College has a rowing club, a rifle club, an extensive art collection. They charge over £45,000 a year in fees. Why did he hand them nearly £6 million of taxpayers' money this year? To which Rishi Sunak replied... Mr Speaker, we're improving school standards for every pupil in this country. It's our reforms that are leading to us marching up the PISA league tables for reading, for writing, more good and outstanding schools, more investment in every single school. But he talks about choice. This is about supporting aspiration, Mr Speaker, and that's what this government is proud to do. But it's been really interesting, this backlash that we've seen in the last couple of weeks, headlines like class war and a real fight back from the private sector warning that up to 200 schools could close if this happened, saying that they've been putting on bursaries and scholarships in recent years for poorer children. There've been warnings that those will be slashed back because the private schools won't be able to afford to do them anymore. And there's been a huge pushback. And I've been really interested to watch that because I assume that, I, I think that, you know, every time that anyone's tried to, to move in this way against private schools in the past, that there would have been a similar backlash. And it's very interesting that in Scotland, for instance, some of the tax exemptions that private schools have enjoyed have been scrapped. So, for instance, mm. the business rates one has been scrapped. And I was working on a story a few weeks ago where some head teachers of some private schools were telling me they thought that was potentially in Rishi Sunak's sites and that they were looking at their budgets and trying to discount that, the tax benefit oh, really? they got from that, yeah, because they weren't sure what was going to happen. It hasn't happened. In England and Wales, private schools still, still enjoy me, that tax exemption. Stepping back from all the headlines we've seen recently, I mean, just talk us through what the pros would be of, of scrapping this tax exemption? Well, I think, I think many people would look at this from the outside, this sector, and say, I mean, as Hassan suggested, are these schools really charities or are they businesses? Just because they're educational establishments, is that enough of a purpose to make them charities? Even government ministers, well, I mean, Michael Gove, for instance, in 2017, wrote an article in The Times saying that removing charitable status, which he described as a burning injustice at that point, would boost standards in the state sector by raising vital funds. So I think some Conservative MPs are now thinking it's hard to see how these extremely wealthy schools, some of them, with big reserves, how is it that we are granting them this charitable status, these tax exemptions, when essentially they are educating the children of the very, very wealthy, some of them 
not from the UK. And yet it is. These are, these are t- tax exemptions the UK government is granting them. Do we need to look at this again? And there has been pressure on the sector for a number of years to do more to help state schools. What are the arguments coming out of the private sector, the people who who want to keep the tax exemption for private schools? What's their case? Well, they say that without the tax exemption, some of these schools would close and that would be less choice for parents in the UK. Parents have enjoyed choice for a long time here. They also say that if those schools closed, there would be more children who'd have to be educated in the state system. So that would be bigger burden on state schools. And, you know, state schools have been complaining for a long time about how little money they've got, asking parents for donations for everything from glue sticks to textbooks. That would just be more pressure on state schools, is what the private school sector is saying. Somebody I talked to, Robin Walker, actually, the Conservative MP and new chairman of the Education Select Committee, Mm. said to me he does not think that Keir Starmer's proposals will have the effect that Keir Starmer thinks they will have in terms of benefiting the state sector. In what way? I, I don't think it would achieve what they want it to achieve. I think I think the, the concern is what it would potentially do is it would drive up the costs of the independent sector further and make it more exclusive, which wouldn't deter those people with plenty of money from using it, but would deter people on the margins um, from accessing it. And then, then the other thing, of course, is that fees may then need to become more expensive. That's what they say. Well, look, we've lost this tax money. We're now going to have to put our fees up and that would price even more families out of the system. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I suppose one of the reasons this has been brought up as a potential policy for Labour now is because of the current climate. Whilst Robin Walker is saying this may not benefit the state system, is it that we can only talk about the tax exemption for private schools because we're already looking at cuts to the state education? That's possibly right. That's possibly right. But because of the cost of living crisis, because of the the state the state sector is in, I mean, it has had a, a bit of a financial boost recently. But head teachers are still saying it's not enough. All the pressures that families are experiencing are also being funneled through schools, and they are becoming the fourth emergency service in this country. So it could be that parents know how tough it is for state schools and. Keir Starmer thinks this is a good time to really open up this debate, point out the massive gap between the rich and the poor in this country. And you can do that by tackling private schools. It is a symbol of the disparity in incomes. It always seemed to me like a sort of policy for a long time associated with Jeremy Corbyn. But Keir Starmer is taking it and making it central to his education offer. And it's interesting that this seems to be a debate within the Conservative Party too, not just for Labour. I mean, tell us a bit about Robert Halfen, for example, who who is another Conservative former chair of the Education Committee. Robert Halfen, I think, feels that private schools need to do more to earn their charitable status. And I was speaking to him before he became a minister. He is now a minister in the Department for Education. So I spoke to him a, a few months ago. And at that point, he was suggesting that there should perhaps be more accountability. And if a school was particularly wealthy, they should have to do more 
to justify their charitable status. So they should have to offer proportionately more bursaries and scholarships. They should perhaps have to partner with more state schools in their area. That it should be in some way quantifiable, not ad hoc and up to the discretion of a particular school, but in some way regulated. There is more regulation, it seems to me, in Scotland of the sector. And it could be that the Charities Commission, for instance, maybe there needs to be a review of the sector to look at what is each school doing, how wealthy each school is, and what should it be doing in comparison with other schools to justify its charitable status, that there should be some sort of targets or quotas or something set by an authority like a regulator. And Sean, as education editor, as somebody who's covered this sector for a couple of decades now, and, you know, particularly having put together parent power and having sort of seen a cross-section of the schools in this country and the, the educational standards that they deliver. What are your thoughts on this debate? Should private schools keep their charitable status? I think, I think there does need to be a review of private schools' charitable status. We don't know enough about the wealth of private schools. We don't know enough about how many bursaries and scholarships each school is allocating, how much they're worth. Are they 10% of the fees? Are they 50% of the fees? There isn't enough accountability, it seems to me. On the Sunday Times, we have been looking at this. We have been contacting schools. We have been asking these questions. And while some schools provide that information, others do not. This is UK taxpayers' money at the end of the day. And I think if we had that information, then I think we could have a more informed debate about the way forward. But I think there's certainly something to look at here now. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, Sean Griffiths, the education editor at The Sunday Times. And remember, you can now access the Parent Power Guide, which lists the best primary and secondary schools in your area, with more information on their academic performance. And it's online at thetimes.co.uk. The producer today was Will Rowe. The executive producer is Kate Ford. And sound design was by David Crackles. If you enjoyed this episode, please do leave us a review. It'll help others to find it. Thanks for listening. Have a lovely weekend. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.